Luke chapter number 15, and again I want to zero in on a special verse, a phrase. This morning we looked at that word kisses, and of course we're interested in the fact that what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees is that that these things are lost, they're not just sinners, they are lost. And uh, that he's interested in the one more. And of course, that ought to be our interest tonight. Because it's still heaven's interest. If you're saved and I'm saved, how happy we ought to be. But we need to realize that heaven's concerned about that one more out there. And if the one more is one, W-O-N. If the O-N-E is W-O-N. One is one. He's going to be one by love. Aren't you glad that the Father loved this boy? And I'm glad that the heart of what God did through His Son in Calvary was for God so loved the world. But I'm going to go back into this text tonight. I'm going to uh, magnify, if you will, verse number 13, the thought of the far country, a far country. And we're going to go through that far country to get back to the house. And the thing that we're going to amplify is the fact that uh, if the one more is going to be reached, somebody's going to have to stay home and keep the light on. Somebody's going to have to stay home and keep the light on. Let's read this text and let's uh, venture out into this far country to come back to this thought of the importance of you and I in 2019 in these last days uh, keeping the light on, so to speak, for those that would head in this direction. In other words, we need to keep on preaching like we always have. We need to keep on praising like we always have. We need to keep on worshiping like we always have. Uh, We need to keep on doing uh, what heaven would have us do because I promise you, he's going to send one more through those doors. The worst thing in the world would be for the Father's house to be in shambles and the shutters falling off the windows and all the animals dead out in the yard and so on. When the sun needs to come home and find out that the light is still on. I want the lower lights to be burning. Sending the beam and gleam across the way. For that struggling uh, seaman that needs to be able to see the light along the shores. So let's look at this here for a few moments tonight. Verse 11, Luke 15. A certain man had two sons, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into the far country, and there wasted his substance on riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. 
He would fain have filled his belly with the swine, with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, the father saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight am no more worthy to be called thy son. The father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. I'm interested again in verse number 13 where he journeys into the far country. Uh, three or four thoughts that I want to emphasize to bring us back to this one more that is going to be reached by the light. First of all, the thought that would be magnified from my heart is this question uh, or this thought, this statement that we find from this parable. And it is the truth that the far country it's never really that far away. Though it is emphasized as a far country, what we realize is that the far country is not so much a street as it is a spirit. Uh, it's not so much a country as it is a concept. It's more of a demeanor than it is a distance. In other words, the far country can be no farther really than your thoughts or maybe your desires, your longings. Because when we come upon the prodigal son, he's in the best place that he could ever be, but he was thinking about the worst place that he would ever be. He's at home under the father's care, under the father's favor, uh, he is being loved and provided for and protected. Yet he's thinking about that wild country, the, the far country. I'd summarize it to say that he is at home, but while he's at home, he's already gone. And could that not be possible with anyone? That you could be in the best of situations, but yet because of your desires, because of your attitude because of your longings, you're already uh, in the far country. You've got a good wife, but yet it's not going to take long, but you're going to be in the far country. You've got a good husband, but it's not going to be long, but you're in the far country. Maybe you've got a good family, you've got some good parents, or you've got some good children. You've got a good church to go to, and a good preacher, and, and uh, a good heavenly family to worship with. But uh, if you end up in the far country, understand this, if you end up in the far country, you've got to start from somewhere, and that is right here, the best of situations. I guess I would word it this way. 
where you are at is where you're at, no matter where you're at. Now, let me clarify that. Where you are at in mind, where you are at in spirit, where you are at in attitude is really where you're at, no matter where you're at. And here we have the the son who is here, but yet while he's here, he's already in heart there. Which leads me to say again that the far country, the far country is not really that far away. That's why we're all astonished when we hear of someone that has, uh, they say, have you heard that they're in the far country? And you say, well, I, I just saw them a couple of days ago. I, I thought they were doing well. Not realizing this truth. The far country will get in you long before you get into the far country. It's in his head, it's in his heart, it's in his hands as he gathers everything together. He's already acting like he's in the far country. He's talking like he's in the far country. He's even looking like he's in the far country. He's at home. He's at home, but he's already gone. Let that be a warning to all of our hearts, the possibility that we could wake up tomorrow in the far country. So the far country is never really that far away. Secondly, I would uh, say to you in another statement that is evident from the process that takes place here is that once you get into the far country, it's virtually impossible to get out of that country. Now, understand how I word this. I'm talking humanly speaking. For this boy to ever get to where he needs to be at the father's house is going to be an impossible task. Just like for you to have saved yourself would have been an impossible task. And though this world be in devastation and we all could raise our hands and say that we know of people who are in the far country. But yet while they're in that far country it just seems like it's impossible to motivate them to leave that far country. Uh, It seems as though you can't preach them out, you Uh, You can't push them out, uh, you can't pull them out, and certainly you can't pay them out. They just don't want to leave the far country. In other words, when this son left the father's house to go into the far country, he doesn't go to the far country with a plan on how to come back home because he's not planning on coming back home. He doesn't have a secret map that he can mark every turn in his directions in case he decides to come home, he won't get lost and he can find his way. Well, when he goes into the far country, he doesn't go to the far country bank, uh, the FCB, and set him up two accounts. One account is going to be his expenditure account. That's where he's going to have all of his fun out of. But yet he says to the banker, I want to put a a good sum of this away because I don't know, I might not like it down here and I may want to go back to the Father so I can draw, I'll have this in case that this don't work. He doesn't do that. He throws it all in the same basket because he's intending on having a good time in the far country and he's never crossed his mind that he would ever go back home. He is there as I stay. He is there because he desires to stay. And there's nothing about that secular world that would even remind you of home anyhow. 
As a matter of fact, nothing about this world and the spirit, the Bible talks about the spirit of this world and the children of this world. There's nothing set up in this world that would aid you and remind you and point you toward heaven. As a matter of fact, our children, when they go uh, to the public schools, and I do not want to take make a general statement. I do believe that there are some Christian teachers and so on. But I'm talking about the system itself wants to take away any kind of hint or indication that there even is a heaven or that there even is another world or that we do have a heavenly father. They do not want to remind us of that. And of course, nothing is set up that way. The prodigal son doesn't get into the far country and lo and behold, there's a road that goes straight back home. It says Father Street. And the one he could get on and go straight back, there'll be no signs pointing him back toward home. There'll be no institutions that he can go to when he gets so low. Maybe he needs to see a psychologist. He's not going to go to a psychologist in that world. He's going to set him down and say, Son, I've got, to the, I've got to the very basics of what's wrong with you, the foundation of it. You've got a father somewhere, and you need to hunt him up and get things right. This world's not set up for that. And so, therefore, it is impossible. That's why, that's why when... Uh, I tell you, folks get hooked on so many vices and so many sins, it just drags them all the way down to hell because there's no power within them to change that. I go back to West Virginia every year to preach, and there in Huntington, West Virginia, it was in the newspaper a couple of years ago, that in 30 days there were 30 young people that overdosed on opium. I talked to a fellow that had worked for the, that did work for the fire department. I said, well, I guess you stay busy fighting fires. He said, no, nowadays we're sent out on these rescues of these people who have overdosed. And we give them that narc shot to bring them back. But he said the same thing is, a couple, sad thing is, a couple of days later we go to the same house or we go to the same person. It's someone that's done it again and again until they die. The far country has such a hold and such a grasp and such a grip upon those who, who go there. We need not take the far country lightly. And those of us who have been in the far country or know someone in the far country know that humanly speaking, I'm saying humanly speaking, I'm talking about socially speaking, economically speaking, religiously speaking, educationally speaking, if they're in the far country, none of that is going to send them back in the right direction. They are there to stay. So I say to you, the far country is not really that far away, but oh, don't we realize that once you get there, uh, I'm just going to say there's no coming back. There is no coming back. I would hate to give anybody any hope as far as this world is concerned of getting any aid out of this world to get anybody to the Father's house. It's just not going to happen. But I don't want to leave you there. I want to give you some hope. So I hurry and scurry. I'm going to that light. So I'm moving on in this matter of the far country. This is where the one more is at. He's in the far country. The far country is never really that far away for anyone. Once you get there, it's virtually impossible to get out. 
But the third thought is this. Thank God there's somebody in the far country, I've noticed, that was also at the Father's house. You say, who was it? God was. Did you notice how God was in the far country? Matter of fact, he's all over the far country. He's the only hope of the far country. And uh, you say, well, where is he in this in the, and someone said, well, no, no, I, I'll be honest with you. I, don't, I didn't think God would go in the far country. Well, he does. He had to. He came after me. And where he found you was in the far country. Now, that is God who penetrates this old world to reach that next one for the kingdom's sake. Notice I see him in verse number 14. The Bible said, and when he had spent all there arose a a mighty famine. Now you know what causes famine? It's when the rain stops. The dryness sets in. Now I ask you, who controls the weather? Who determines when it rains or it doesn't rain? We know the Bible is filled with that. God is the one who reaches out and turns the spigot off. And the, the sun has gotten low because the Bible tells us that he had spent it all on this matter of riotous living. And just at the point in time in which he spent it, God shut everything down. Now, to some, that seems to be cruel. But what I want to say to you is anywhere in the Word of God that you find God's judgment, you find His grace. You'll find them together. It's always that way. If you don't believe me, go back to Noah's day when there was the flood in which humanity was destroyed, but yet the Bible said Noah found grace. Truth of the matter is, mankind is self-destructive. He doesn't need any help. He'll destroy himself. And if God had not sent grace to Noah, all of humanity would have, would have disposed of itself. So it was grace that brought Noah out, and in that he brought Noah out, of course, it brought you and I into this world. Uh, It's the same thing with Lot. There was fire and brimstone, but Lot was brought out. It's the same thing with Israel, the judgment upon Israel, but thank God the Gentile was brought out. And on and on and on, you find the grace of God showing up right where his judgment is. And and it is here that God sends the famine, but yet at the same time, he's using that famine to drive this boy out of the far country. God's working not only, not only through the famine, but he's working through his friends. Did you notice that he goes to try to get some help uh, he wants uh, to get some aid, uh, but he can't find any. Those friends that have used him as long as he's got the money. He has gone to them and said, look, uh, I'm, uh, I'm bottomed out. I'm wondering maybe if I couldn't get a handout. And of course, their answer probably was sort of like this. You want me to give to you? of my portion, of what I've got. You're not even from around here, are you? You're not one of us. What I'd advise you to do is go back home. Go back home. In other words, what happened was God was the single voice in the far country that awakened this boy. 
He was talking. Now, nothing about that world even wanted to admit that there was a father's house. But yet, as God began to work, everything in the far country seemed to say to this boy, go home. The famine said, you better go home. The friend said, you better go home. Uh, The hunger in his stomach said, you better go home. And those pigs down there, uh, uh, oinking and squealing, were saying to in their language, they're saying to him, boy, best thing for you to do is go home. Isn't it amazing how God can take all of those things that would not normally remind you of him and turn it around and speak of him? I... uh, was preaching in Kentucky and a gentleman stood up and testified and he said, I had a business right here in town, but he said it was a front. He said, I was a drug dealer. And he said, uh, but I got miserable. He said, uh, cantankerous, empty, void. And he said, one day I went by to my mother's house and said she was a Christian. And said, I stopped by and I told her, said, Mom, I don't know what's wrong with me. Said, I'm a miserable man. Said, she looked at me and said, you're under conviction. God's dealing with you. He said, that's the last thing I wanted to hear. So he said, I scurried out of there. He said, on Monday morning, my first customer was my number one drug dealer that I sold more drugs to than anybody else in the county. Said, he came in and... uh, Said, we began to talk, and he said, how you doing? He said, I told him, said, I ain't doing good. Said, man, I am miserable. Said, I told him the same story that I had told my mother. And he said, the, the guy looked at him and said, well, what do you think the problem is? He said, well, my mama told me that it was God. I was under conviction. He said, the drug dealer stood back and looked at me, and he said, oh, if that's him dealing with you, you better get right. He said, I figured if my drug dealer told me I need to get right, it's about time to get right. And of course, he said, I shut her all down, went back to church and said, I got right with the Lord. But isn't it amazing how uh, when God's dealing with you, when God gets into this, this old world and, and you and your situation, he turns everything around to where everything has something to say to you about heaven, about hell, about the Holy Ghost, about Jesus, about the cross. It's a message to you and a message to me. And that the Father, the Father, aren't you glad? Oh, I say to you, while you cannot pull someone out of the far, a far country, they couldn't pull you out. You can't push them out, they couldn't push you out. You can't pay them out, they couldn't uh, pay you. You can't even preach them out. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can pray them out because God is not only here, but He's there. David said, if I take the wings of the morning and fly to the uttermost, behold, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Hey, children, you've got hope for those that are in the far country. Though you cannot reach them, thank God he can reach them. And so I say to you that in this matter of the far country, never really that far away, but once you get there, it's impossible to get out. But oh, I'm glad that the Father, I'm glad the Lord is there in that far country. Now, another thought. When is it that you know that you're done with the far country? How can you tell that this boy is 
finished as far as the far, far country is concerned. I want you to look down in verse number 17. And what he says, the Bible said, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. Now we've all seen folks come to the altar and make a profession, and then they go back to what they've been doing as far as their lifestyle is concerned. But I think there's two things that indicates when you or anybody else is done for the, with the far country. First of all, it's indicated in uh, what he said. What he said. Did you notice uh, what he said? The Bible said in verse number 18, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. In other words, he's gone to talking right. I often tell folks, I say, now if you've got a son or a daughter that's in the far country, you'll know when they're done with the far country, they'll come home preaching. God will turn the preacher out. Of, and they'll, He'll have them telling you what you had been telling them. Now they're going to tell you. Now if they come home with excuses, they're not done. If they come home covering things up, they're not done. If this boy comes home and says, Dad, now I'll tell you what, I know it, it, it ain't all bad over there like folks make it out to be. I, I will, if I'd have had one more ace of spades in that game of cards, I could have won that pot and I'd have sent you some money. I'd have been well off. He ain't ready to come home. Or if he began to blame his friends. I just run into a couple of guys over there and they just sort of got me down and ruined me. It was them. If it hadn't been for them, I would have been all right. In doing so, you realize that he's not home yet. He's just making up stories and he's covering up. But this boy is done with the far country by what he is saying. He is saying, hey, it's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord. I have sinned in the sight of God and I have sinned in your sight and I have come home to let you know that I know that I have been the sinner in this situation. He's done with the far country. You can tell it by what he says. Boy, don't you love it when somebody gets right with God and they get to testifying about how wicked they were, and what their need was of God. You can tell it by what he said, but you can also tell it by what he sees. What he sees. Again, I go back to verse number 17. You know, back in West Virginia, I was raised in a shotgun house. Anybody know what a shotgun house is? That's that's a house to where... you can see the front door from the back door and the back door and the front door. And so we had three rooms and a path. And I don't have to tell you where that path went to. You know about that also. And we did not have a light switch on the wall. You couldn't just go over and hit a switch and turn the lights on. You had a pull switch. Remember that? And uh, you just pulled the chain. It was ching and then all of a sudden the light came on. Well, if you'll notice this in verse number 17, this is what happens to the 
prodigal son, the light comes on. Now, I mentioned this this morning, I say again tonight, that he had seen what he is seeing, but he never saw it until now. Look in verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. The light is on. He's even seeing the intricate details as far as how his father treated the servants and the abundance that was at the father's house. The light has come on for the first time. He is seeing the Father. He is seeing the bounty of the Father. He is seeing the blessing of the Father. I say to you, he is now able to see. Don't you remember the day when the light came on as far as the gospel? The light came on as far as heaven. The light came on as far as truth is concerned. I'm going to tell you something. When the light came on, did you notice the prodigal son in verse 17 had a visitor? The Bible said he came to himself. Now, the truth of the matter is, uh, somebody else can try to tell you something, it'll make you mad. The preacher can try to preach to you and tell you something, it'll make you mad. Your wife, your wife try to tell you something, it'll make your husband try to tell you something, it'll make you mad. But I'm telling you something, if you ever start talking to yourself, business is about to pick up. And this old boy begins to talk to himself. He came to himself. Now I know how the conversation went because it tells us right there. Can you see him as he walks up to himself? I mean, the prodigal son comes to himself and he, and he looks at himself and he says, Man, you stink. Look at your clothes. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? Where is all, you spent all of that money, haven't you? You've, you've wasted everything. You have come to, if I was you, I would look to heaven and apologize to God. And then I'd go home and tell daddy that I was sorry. And I can see the prodigal son looking up at himself and tears start coming down. He said, I was thinking the same thing. I'm, uh, the light has come on. I'm going to tell you, when the light comes on and you can now see, it's over. It's over. And it is here that in his mind, he's able to picture everything. He had already seen it, but he never saw it. But now that the light is on, he is he's seeing everything that's at the Father's house. And there's nothing going to keep him from leaving and saying goodbye to this old world. Here's where I'm bringing you to. When he gets up, now I don't know how long he was in the far country. Of course, long enough to where there's a famine. How long does that take? I mean, the rain stops, what, a year, two, three years? Everything's dried up. There's a famine in that country. I don't know how long he was there, but I'm pretty well sure of this, that for as long as he was in the far country, he never one time looked toward home. Why should he? He's left everything about home. He don't want to think about the father's house. He don't want to think about uh, the the things of, uh, of home. He has left home. He's not looking toward home until the light comes on. And now he sees, I mean, he sees this. And so now he arises as he has talked to himself. 
He arises. It's in his heart. It's in his mind. It's bigger than big. <laughs> Had a fellow call me one night, probably about 10, 11 o'clock. He said, Preacher, would you meet me down to church? He was a member of the church. I said, Well, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you down there. He came, I went down there, was waiting on him. He came running into that church. I've never seen a man physically so broken. That time, probably early 30s, late 20s, so physically broken. And he came and he, he fell into that altar. I didn't even know. I had no idea this was going on. And he kept saying, I'm lost. I'm lost. I need to be saved. I need to be saved. Well, I, I, I couldn't say nothing to him. He just started out praying, telling God everything and getting saved. And, and he got up, man. I mean, he gave me a bad 10. I've never forgotten that. And here's what he told me later. He said, preacher, he said, I'm going to tell you, when I saw my condition and my need of salvation, he said, the Dallas cowboy front line couldn't have stopped me from getting to God. That's the kind of conversions I believe in. It's when the light comes on, honey, ten thousands is not going to stop him from heading home. Someone said, but preacher, I got you. You said he probably didn't take no map. He didn't need a map. You don't need a map to get home. You see, you got the Holy Ghost. God's pigeon that has that instinct to take you. When you're ready to go to the house, honey, you'll find your way to the house. And he comes, he comes, but, but here's what he does. He, he, for now, for the, if he's going home, this is what he's going to do. He's got to turn toward home. You see, he's not only talking, he's walking. He's saying and he's seeing. And he's headed toward the house. Now here's what I want to tell you. The thought that is in his mind is, boy, I've messed up. I don't even know if I can get in under the rank of a servant or not. I don't even know what's going on at the house. It's been so, while, so long, I don't even know how things are at the house. And they could have went sour at the house, couldn't they? How many times have we allowed folks who are a part of our lives to drive us or pull us into the ditch? Spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking. And if the prodigal son could have, he would have jerked that father in his mind and soul into the far country. Understand that. I'm going to tell you something. The father wasn't at the house thinking about the far country. The father was at the house getting ready for the son when he came home from the far country. And when that son turned around, the one thing he's going to want to see, the light's on in here, he's wanting to see if the light's still on there. (laughs) And I believe when he turned around and looked, I believe the first thing he saw was the light on the porch. You say, well, he couldn't have seen it from there. I did, didn't you? I saw the light. I saw the light. Hallelujah. (laughs) We're talking about a spiritual matter in his heart.
westward home. And thank God the light is still shining. And when he gets to the house, he gets to the house. Now I've said to you, the far country ain't that far away. Once you get there, you're not getting out. But I'm glad God's there. To bring those loved ones out, we can count on him. To do. He's the only one that can do it. But I'm going to tell you this, the only way you're going to be done with the far country, the light's going to have to come on. But here's where I brought you to. What are you and I supposed to do for the one more that's in the far country? Who knows when the one more is going to head this way? Who knows? One night this week, he's talking about somebody getting saved. I mean, uh, who knows when that one more is going to walk through that door. Coming home, coming home. You say, well, what are we supposed to do? Hey, mama, you may have a son out there. Hey, daddy, you may have a daughter out there. Hey, you may have a brother out there. You may have a sister out there. And most of us do. And somebody said, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm going to tell you, keep the light on. Don't let that prodigal son come home with a chandelier. I mean, I'm going to tell you, with everything in shambles and the door about to fall off the hinges and I tell you, the fences all tore down, everything just, and weeds and everything rolled up and the farm just gone to pot because the father quit living because of where the son was. Can you imagine that? The father and the mother just sitting around saying, well, I just don't feel like doing anything. I think I'll just quit. I mean, somebody said, well, well, because the boy's gone. He's in the far country. Who knows? The boy's in bad shape. The boy's, I don't know. I got a letter from the, I've sent down there to try to find out where he's at. I even sent an agent down there. I've sent money after him. That ain't going to do nothing but ruin you. Every morning you wake up, you feel like you've been in the far country when you wouldn't even want to go there. And when you lay down at night on your bed, you, can't, you got the far country in your mind. Well, and somebody might have, they say to the, to the father, hey, how, how's things in the far country? He said, I don't have a clue. I'm busy getting shoes made and a coat made and getting a fatted calf ready for the party when the boy comes home. It ain't our business as to what's happening in the far country. Our business is make sure these lights are on and these doors are open and we're still preaching the gospel and worshiping and singing to the glory of God for the one that would head this way. You see, if one more is going to make it in, he's going to make it by love. Somebody's going to have to love. And if one more makes it in, he's going to make it because somebody kept the light on. Somebody kept, as the Father did, the light on. And I don't know about you, but I just want to keep the light on. Because you never know. When that one in your family or my family or somebody else's family is going to head in this direction. So I would say to old Bethel, thank you for keeping the light on. Thank you for preaching and singing and praying for the one more that's going to head in this direction. Whole lot of world out there. A lot of folks that are gone. 
But I'm glad we're still at home. And we still got the light on for the one that would head this direction. I wonder tonight how many of us would say, Preacher, I know somebody that's gone. I know somebody in the far country. Raise your hand. I know somebody that's in the far country. Well, I want to encourage your heart. The Lord is able to bring them home. If he can't bring them home, they ain't coming home. But, oh, I'm going to tell you, he's not only God here, but he's God out there. He's working right now. I promise you, I promise you, he's working on one more right now, setting him up to send him in our direction. The question is, when he gets here, will he find the light still on? 